0: If you would, stand one more time, just as we give reverence to reading the Word of God. First Timothy chapter 1, we're going to read verse 15, that's the only verse we'll read. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. You can be seated. Through this um, Advent season, we have been looking at the subject of the people of Christmas and trying to see what we can learn from the people of Christmas, the people that that God chose to be involved in the Christmas story. And today I want to um, end our Advent series on looking at the people of Christmas, the Christ. I want to look at the Christ and the fact that the Christ has come. And I really want to focus today on what He came to do. Because yes, we celebrate this cute little baby, this beautiful little baby boy. We celebrate birth and it's a a beautiful thing. But the truth of the matter is, He didn't come just to be seen as a cute baby. He didn't stay a little baby. He grew up and He lived life and He became a man. And then he fulfilled his mission why he came. And so I want to be able to look at what it was that he came to do. You remember when C.J. read, the very last verse he read was that the angel told Joseph, you're going to call his name Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. The very reason he was named Jesus was because it comes from an old Hebrew name which we would recognize as Joshua. And that literally meant... Yahweh saves. It meant God saves. And so they said, you're going to name Him Jesus because He is going to save His people from their sins. God is going to come in the flesh and He is going to save His people from their sins. This is the reason why He came. And so I want to look at a little bit of that today. I want you to remember that Ever since the creation, if you have any Bible knowledge at all, you'll remember that man made a decision. He said, God, we don't need you to direct our lives anymore. Whenever God told them not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they had to depend completely on God for their knowledge of good and evil and which way they're going to turn and how they're going to walk. He created them to walk like Him, to talk like Him, to live like Him, to love like Him, to worship Him, to praise Him. And then I hear somebody this morning maybe saying, well, that sounds like God may be a little conceited. He just wants everybody to praise Him. Let me explain something to you. Conceited means to have an inflated view of oneself. God's view of Himself is not inflated, it's right. Right? God has every right because of who He is to create things to worship and praise Him. And He's not conceited, He's right. And the truth of the matter is, we decided that we would rather have the things He created as opposed to the one that created it all. And we made a decision that said, God, we do not want to follow You anymore. We don't want You in our lives. We don't want You to tell us what's right, what's wrong we can decide for ourselves which path we take in this life. And the Bible says that they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and that they fell from their relationship with God. They died in sin. And so what we have today is a world that we live in that are filled with the results of this sin. Uh, The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Romans that because we did not want to, to retain God in our knowledge but instead we wanted what we wanted, not what God wanted. So because we did not want to retain God in our knowledge, He gave us over to debase minds, to do those things which are not fitting. And then it lays out this long list of worldly sinfulness. So many people in the world question, well, why would God allow this? And why would God allow this? And why did God not stop this and stop this? Listen, the problem is the world don't want God. And God said, okay, If you don't want me, let me show you what a world looks like where you do what you think is right in your own eyes. And so when you have a world of people that each of them have been given over to do whatever is right in their own minds, guess what you have? This is the world you have today. Why does God allow sexual molestation? Why does God allow school shooters? Why does God allow murder? Why does God allow rape? Why does God allow... Let me explain something to you. We don't want God. Our hearts do not want God. And this is what the Bible calls sin. And the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all been born with this same heart. You've been handed this heart down whether you like it or not. And some people want to reject that doctrine today. Let me explain something to you. If you've ever raised a child or been around a child, there's one thing you know for certain. You never have to try to teach that child how to do wrong, do you? What do you spend your life doing from the time they come out of the womb? They come out of the womb crying, Give me what I want, and if you don't give me what I want, I'm going to let you know about it. Right? And then along the way, They learn that this is not the right thing to do. And what is it that they want to do? Whatever it is, it's not right to do. That's what they go for. And you spend your life trying to teach your children how to do right because their heart is naturally bent toward wrong. It's all over the world. It's everywhere we see. The Bible also tells us in the book of Romans chapter 1 that our hearts have been given over to impure lusts that our passions have been given over to be dishonorable passions. And so we have these dishonorable passions in us. We have these impure hearts and we have these debased minds. And it's not that everybody is as bad as anybody else in the world, but the fact of the matter is all of us have hearts and minds and passions that are not toward God. And they manifest themselves in so many different ways. And this world is full of sin. God created you for a purpose and you looked at Him and said, no. Do you realize you are the only thing in all of God's creation that is able to look back at Him and say, no. The ocean does exactly what He tells it to do, no matter what He tells it. The wind does exactly what He tells it to do, no matter where He sends it the lightning goes exactly where He tells it to strike and it don't sway an inch either way. Everything in creation does exactly what God tells it to do except for you and me. God created us for a purpose and we are the only ones that look back at Him and say no because we want what we want and anything that says otherwise, we reject it. And along with this comes the punishment of death. The Bible tells us that death is the result of this sin. But God is giving us an opportunity right now to live in this life so that we can see what a world and what creation looks like when we choose not to follow Him, but we all choose to do what is right in our own eyes. And in the meantime, He has sent a Savior. Jesus Christ came to save His people from your rebellious heart from your sin against God. And so today I want to look at four reasons of why He came. I want you to understand that every part of Jesus' life, from birth to the ascension, every part of it was toward this goal, to save you from your sins. And that opportunity is yours today. The first reason that Jesus came, He came to be our propitiation. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. I'll read it to you very quick. It says, He is the propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. This word propitiation means the action of appeasing. It means to pay the payment for an offense. When an offense has been committed against you, you expect that offense to be made right, correct? And if justice is served, guess what's going to happen? That offense is going to be made right. And if that offense is not made right, then guess what you do? You feel like you've been robbed. You feel like you've been wronged. Well, let me explain something to you. God created you for a purpose and you said to the Creator of all things, No, I want my own way. I want to do it the way I want to do it. And the Bible says that sin has brought on death. And so here's what we have to understand. God is a loving, because I hear people say all the time, well, if God is loving and God is merciful and God is kind and God is compassionate, then God's not going to send anyone to hell. Can I explain something to you that you may not understand? God is all of them things, but there's also one more thing that you're not realizing that God is. God is just. God is just. And every wrong must be made right. Do you expect all your wrongs to be made right? Yeah. I want all my wrongs to be made right. And God expects every wrong and He will right every wrong. Think of it like this. Let's say that you were accused of murder. All the evidence is stacked against you. I mean, it's all right there. No one, You can't deny it. You're guilty. And even before this judge... And you say, Judge, I am so sorry that I have done this. And I know that you are loving and I know that you are kind and I know that you are forgiving and I know that you are compassionate. Will you please forgive me of this murder? Let's say the family that you murdered, of the person you murdered, is sitting over here waiting on justice. Let's say that judge were to look back at you and say, You're right. I am all these things. You can go free. Is that justice? That's not justice. And if this judge is a just judge, it don't matter how merciful he is, justice still has to be served. Appeasement has to be made. And so you either have to pay the payment or the payment has to get made. And here's what the judge did in your case. The judge says, I am both just and I am both merciful and I am forgiving and kind and compassionate. I am all these things. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come off my throne and I'm going to pay your payment for you. I will take the punishment for what has been done on myself. And that is exactly what God has done when He sent Jesus Christ for you. You stood before the judge guilty all the evidence stacked against you, and yet He said, I'm going to take your punishment for you. And what we have to understand this morning is that Christ is our propitiation. He is our appeasing action that has taken place so that God can be both just and the justifier at the same time. Look with me at Romans chapter 3, uh, starting verse 23, we'll go through verse 26. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift. And this gift comes through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. That's what This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins It was to show His righteousness at the present time. And here's the key that I want you to get. So that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. God is both just in the fact that every wrong that you have ever committed will be righted. And God is also the justifier in the fact that He can be both forgiving and merciful to a people that don't deserve it. And He is everything that He says He can be. But it cannot be unless Christ comes, unless God comes in the flesh and He pays the payment for you and for me. He is the propitiation. That's what Christmas means, guys. Listen, I know we love to celebrate the little baby. I know we love to see the manger scene. I know we love to see the Mary and the Joseph and all of that played a role. But let me explain something to you. That's not why He comes, so that you could adore Him as a baby. He came to die for your sins. He came to make propitiation so that you could have the opportunity to experience the forgiveness and the mercy of God. The next thing, He came to be our great high priest. Here's the reason He came. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Look at this next part. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Do you know that it was not an accident that God was born in a barn? Do you know that it wasn't necessarily the devil is the reason why. It wasn't because there was really no room in the inn. The reason there was no room in the inn was because God meant to be born in a barn. God meant to put Himself in the lowest spot on this earth. Though He was rich, He became poor for you and I. The Bible tells us that when Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple, to, on the, the Jews on the eighth day, they were to circumcise the, the, the male children. And when they brought him there, they were to give a, a sacrifice and it was supposed to be a lamb for atonement. And yet Mary and Joseph, when they come, they could not afford a lamb. And because they could not afford a lamb, the Bible tells us that they gave uh, two turtle doves or two pigeons. And it goes back to the law in the book of Leviticus, Leviticus. I can't remember exactly which chapter and verse, but it's somewhere around chapter 12, I believe it is. But it said, if the family cannot afford a lamb then they should give two turtle doves or two pigeons. Here's what we know when we study the life of Jesus. He was the poorest of the poor. He was born in a barn. He was laid in a feeding trough for animals. And all of these things he done so that He could help all of us in our time of need. He was tempted in every way, yet without sin. And the reason why the Scripture tells us is because He couldn't just come to this earth and just die to pay for our sins. He had to be our great high priest. He had to be one that could stay at the right hand of the Father and every time you and I are in our weaknesses, whether it be we can't provide for something or whether it be our sinfulness or no matter what it is, the Bible says He is able to sympathize with us because He has been tested and tried in every way in his life while he was here. And because of that, he is able to understand. I don't know about you, but that means something to me. I'm thankful to have a God who can actually relate to my weaknesses. I'm thankful to have a God that before Christ came to become a man, God could not relate to my weaknesses and yet through Christ, He has become my great high priest. And that's what Christmas means. The next time you have a situation to where you are in one of your weaknesses or the world has thrown something at you or, or something's just not going right, you need to remember one thing. He understands. Right. And here's what the Bible tells us there. Let us then, because of this, here's what He commands you to do. Let us then with confidence do what? Draw near. <coughs> Draw near. And draw near to the throne of grace. What is grace? Undeserved mercy, right? Draw near to the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find this undeserved mercy to help in what? In your time of need. The next thing, He came to be our righteousness. The Gospels all stress His absolute obedience to the law. If you were to go to Luke, the very first thing that Joseph and Mary do is on the eighth day, they travel to the temple. Because this is what they have to do in order to keep the law. Jesus Himself said, there's not a jot nor a tittle of the law that will pass until every bit of it is fulfilled. Somebody had to come here and fulfill God's purpose in mankind's life. And because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and there is none good, not even one, guess what? We have no hope unless God Himself comes here as a man and He lives out God's perfect obedience to this law. And that's exactly what Jesus did. And because of that, I'll read a scripture to you. Look at um, Romans chapter 5, verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. That's Adam. Because of Adam's disobedience, we naturally inherited this same thing. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made what? Righteous because of His obedience. And here's the way this works. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. I love this verse in the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For our sake He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Here's what God does by faith. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you believe that God sent His Son to pay for your sins, the Bible says that God makes an exchange. God takes the righteousness of Christ in which He lived out and He puts it on you. And then He takes the sinfulness and all the sins of you and He puts them on Christ on the cross. And He makes this exchange. He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that you might become the righteousness of God. This is why Jesus came. He came so that you could be in front of God and be righteous, not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ did for you. That's why He came. The last reason why He came, He came to defeat death. Paul says that death is God's judgment on sin. Revelations chapter 5 verse 12 says this, Therefore just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin. Death came into the world through sin, because the Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death. So, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. And the free gift, I'm going to verse 16 now. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass, talking about death, right? So death is the judgment. For judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. So when Jesus died, He paid the full sentence that we owed because of our sin. His resurrection from the dead is the evidence that God has accepted this payment. Let me explain something. Death entered through sin, right? So if sin is conquered and if sin is paid for, what happens to death? It has no more hold on you, right? This is why the resurrection of Christ is so vital. Because if all Christ did was die, and if He's still dead, guess what? You're still in your sins. The payment has not been accepted. But if Christ rose from the dead, that is the evidence that says sin is paid for. And now all those who are in Christ are going to be resurrected with Him, and they will live eternally. At the end of this life, guys, listen to me, there's two choices. You are either going to enter into eternal life or you are going to enter into eternal death. Those are the only two choices. You will either pay for your sin yourself eternally or you are going to allow Christ to pay for your sins, take on His righteousness, and you will spend eternal life with Him in heaven. But there are no other choices. One of those two things are going to take place. The Bible says that after death comes the judgment. You are going to give an account, and the only thing that you will be able to claim is guilty. All the evidence is stacked against me. I'm standing in front of a just judge. I have nothing I can say except I'm guilty. The Bible says that's the reason why he gave the law. I can take you back to Romans and show it to you, but he says the reason he gave the law is so that every mouth may be stopped. No one will be able to say, I didn't sin. I don't have anything against you. We're okay. No one will be able to say that if all you take is just the first ten commandments. Let's just take one of them. How many of you in here have never told a lie? We ain't got no takers. Guess what? Guilty. And the wages for sin is death. You say, wow, that sounds like a, a pretty serious sentence for such a small crime. You've got to understand something. Your standard of goodness and God's standard of goodness, not even close. You have offended an infinitely holy God. And the sentence for offending an infinite holy God is an infinite sentence. Eternal death is what we get for our sins unless we take the payment that the judge has said, I will pay it and I will satisfy it for you. One last scripture, and this is the last one, and I'm done. First Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 21. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Now that don't mean everybody's going to be saved, because what did you have to do to be in Adam? Just be born, Right. You come from the seed of the line of Adam. All you have do is be born. That's where you come from. But what do you have to do to be in Christ? You have to be born again. You have to be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so what this means is that all who are in Adam, they die. But all who are in Christ by faith, they will be made alive. Look what he says next in verse 23. But each in his own order. Because a lot of people say, well, why am I still going to die if Jesus paid it all? Well, each in his own order. Christ was the first fruits. Then at His coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when He delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For He must reign until He has put all His enemies under His feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. There is a day coming when he is going to completely and utterly destroy death. But for those of us, the Bible says it like this, for those of us that are in Christ, you will only die once. But for those that are not in Christ, you will experience a second death and that second death is an eternal death. And I know people don't like to hear about that. It's Christmas, it's Christmas, right? This is Christmas, guys. This is Christmas. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of which I am the foremost. Anybody relate to that? That's why he came. And if you have any reason to celebrate this holiday, that's it. And that's the only reason. There is no other reason. It is my prayer this morning that you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your savior. We're going to have a very quick time of invitation. If y'all would, come on up, um, guys. I want to remind you of what he said in Romans chapter 10. He said, if you will confess that Jesus is Lord, this is your faith that is being publicly professed. If you will confess that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, then you shall be saved. For with the mouth one confesses unto salvation, and with the heart one believes unto righteousness. Because remember, the Bible says that Abraham believed God and God accredited it to him as righteousness. By our faith we receive this gift that Christ has given us, And so for this Christmas, there is no better gift for you to receive than the one that we offer you today. The one, more importantly, that Christ offers you today.